Welcome to another edition of Chatting with Ingram, or more appropriately, Ingram Chatting to You. Uh, And this is a short podcast series looking at the Ukraine-Russia crisis. And in this edition, I want to talk to you about uh, a potential path to conflict. You don't deploy uh, over 100,000 troops for months in winter on the borders of another country that you've already annexed elements of in 2014, unless you intend to use them for something. Troops deployed into areas preparing for potential combat operations can sustain themselves for a certain amount of time, but then boredom, a lack of access to fixed facilities, all becomes an issue. The worst ever type of deployment is an open-ended one, the very type all service personnel from Russia are currently experiencing as they sit within striking distance of the Ukrainian border. So what's likely to happen? Well, that's anyone's guess at this point, uh, although timelines seem to be compressing. But there are certain factors that have to come to bear. Putin won't want the full might of the international community to come to put pressure on his fragile economy, but he must be seen to do something for his domestic audience um, and for the massive deployment to seem legitimate. He has sold the threat of NATO expansionism into Ukraine and Georgia to his domestic audience and sort of staked a bit of his international reputation on that being a threat to Russia and whipped up uh, a level of threat from NATO that NATO isn't capable of, even if it were politically coherent, which it's not. The last few NATO deployments into the Balkans and Afghanistan have shown the very real difficulties that NATO has in generating a sustainable, coherent military approach to operations, with very real differences coming out between EU members and the United States um, and the UK, with the UK aligning itself more often with the United States and France participating where it can see, uh, being cynical, a potential economic advantage for France. However, Russia and Putin in particular have a collective deep-down belief in NATO expansionism for the sole purpose of threatening Russia. And as I said in my previous podcast, uh, Putin also hankers after the good old days of the USSR and would love its rebirth, under his control, of course. Putin loves the ability to grandstand. He loves the feeling of power on the international stage, so will happily participate in any and all international de-escalation conferences and meetings that he can. Here's one advantage. He owns the information space like no other leader. He is a master of manipulation, disinformation and obfuscation. So our participation will just serve not just to embolden him, but provide a stage for him to set the conditions to prove to the Russian people and to others that he has tried everything. But it is the West that are being intransigent and not budging. It is others who are forcing Russia's hands into having to protect itself. This is what Putin will want to do. The Russian doctrine... Behind this is maskarovka, or masking. This is the start and the foundation for action. It's already happened, so the first indicator and warning has been ticked. And now we must watch for the language to become more accusative and aggressive. We're beginning to see some of this in Russia's domestic messaging, and we've seen GRU spokesmen, or known GRU spokesmen, uh, saying similar things and getting similar messaging out from the front line, in inverted commas, uh, in the Russian deployment. This is the second indicator and warning ticked. However, Putin knows that winning a war of words won't be enough for the West to accept him marching into Ukraine or even part of Ukraine as so much more has to happen. He seems to like, if you listen to a lot of the rhetoric that's coming out, the Kosovo scenario of going to protect an element of the local population. But to do that, he needs to escalate the crisis to the international community before he can think of going in Elsie needs to come up with an excuse to de-escalate in the eyes of the public so that he doesn't lose face. 
in Putin's eyes, using the excuse of going in to protect local populations is justifiable to the international community, as it's just what NATO did in Kosovo. So to achieve this, he has things that need to happen first. Alongside increasing domestic and international rhetoric suggesting Western interference and expansionism aims, uh, we will begin to see increasing rhetoric around ethnic Russians being targeted inside Ukraine. He will suggest an increase of a Ukrainian state and foreign-sponsored actions suppressing Russian-speaking populations. This could involve terror-type attacks, a public atrocity like a school bus or an aircraft being hit in the Donbass region. It will likely involve a massive increase in anti-Russian rhetoric and social media. The only difference being it will be Russia behind all of it. At the same time, we could see Russia expanding their threats and giving the likes of Assad more support in Syria, uh, courting other countries sympathetic to Russia to potentially increase refugee activity on the EU borders via Belarus and elsewhere. Russian conventional military activity, probing NATO airspace, threatening undersea cables, backing Iranian aggression in the Gulf, encouraging North Korea to test more missiles with a sprinkling of cyber attacks, would all be used potentially to distract Western defence and split its intelligence, diplomatic and political focus. The next step close to Putin deciding to attack Ukraine may be um, a possible terror-type attack by elements of the state in Russia but blamed on Ukrainian separatists or sympathisers. This would be a trigger for action into Ukraine, and in the run-up to this, we would likely see increase in uh, targeted messaging against uh, Ukraine as well as more reports of little green men popping up. Russia's deniable contract mercenaries that played a leading role in the annexation of Crimea in 2014. And of course, blunt messaging accusing the West of interfering and aggression. At the same time, we could see sort of Ukraine cyber attacks, global cyber attacks. Um, we are already seeing the Russian Black Sea, Mediterranean fleet, Northern fleet, Pacific fleets all deployed. These are all indicators. However, Putin's not daft and will calculate if he gets his messaging frenzy to a point where the world thinks the whole of Ukraine will be invaded, but he only carries out a limited land grab, then he could calculate that there would be an international sigh of relief and he could weather any additional sanctions or measures. His activities with NATO, the EU and the wider international community will be designed to gauge if you can get away with this or not. If he does, his limited objectives could be annexing a large part of eastern Ukraine, where the majority of Russian speakers live. He is likely to calculate this uh, as being just under the threshold of very robust Western intervention. The last thing Putin can afford to do is have a conflict with the West. He knows this, but emotionally he wants all of Ukraine. He's got time to do that because he thinks in generations. Equally, he could de-escalate, but indicators... Um, of that would be domestically focused rhetoric regarding Russia meeting its objectives and the capitulation by the West in some way. We're not quite seeing that yet. We live in interesting times and the robustness of our political leaders will likely be tested to their fullest extent in the coming days. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please um, feel free to share. Um, you can find the blog version of this on greyhairmedia.com.